So welcome back to Restless. It's good to be with you, and uh, thank you for tuning in. I'm Father Joseph Gill, along with Diane. The first time we've ever done just an episode, just the two of us. I know. This We're like the OG cast members, too. It's been, <laughs> it's been uh, almost four years That's we've been recording, yeah, three and a half years. Kind of crazy. I know, right? But So I'm excited to see how this conversation ends up. And especially with the topic, which, uh, so I ran out of topic ideas, so Diane came up with a bunch. <laughs> this is one of hers, one of her very good ones, which is how to make a good confession, how to make a better confession than you're currently making, and why we even need confession. Um, and I know we had an episode on confession a couple of years ago, but it's a good topic to revisit and one that we can always go deeper with because uh, hopefully you're confessing regularly. I mean, do you, do you confess regularly, Diane? Yeah, I do. I try to try to go every couple of weeks, and I feel like, you know, if I... You know, if it gets longer than that, you start to feel the, I don't know, the sense of dirtiness. Um, you do. It's true. Yeah. Or a weight. Um, yeah. So I, I do try to do it regularly. Driving down to Stanford today to record this, I was thinking it's been it's been three weeks since my last confession. And it's challenging as a priest because uh, I can't, I try not to go to the guys that I live with. Right. And, and I can't come during Saturday confession times because I got my own confessions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you got to kind of schedule out. So I got to schedule out. But luckily, I have the cell phone numbers of a bunch of priests. So I just text them, like, what you doing for the next 15 minutes? You want to hear my confession? That's awesome. Well, I mean, there is ample opportunity to go in Stanford. There's confession practically every night of the week, you know, depending on the parish and, um, you know, certainly during the day and, of course, on Saturday. And that's been a huge blessing really over the last couple of years mm-hmm. has been the explosion of confession times. Yeah, absolutely. So there's no excuses for not getting there. Yeah. I mean, I know when I was at St. John's Basilica, we had it every day mm-hmm. before the 12 noon mass, which was wonderful. Yep. Um, COVID put a shutdown on that. But I think what St. Cecilia's has it. Wednesday? Wednesday evenings from 7 to 9. St. Michael's in Greenwich has it Wednesday, you know. Holy Spirit, evening. I think, is Thursday nights. Yeah, they're at Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights. Um, you know, the Basilica still does Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I think the Polish parish in Stanford does it from 6 to 7 p.m. on Friday night. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so there's plenty of time. Morning, midday, evening. My brother, who was a seminarian for three years, would always tell me, there should be it should be as easy to confess as it is to sin. Absolutely. Which I, I agree with. Yeah. I agree with, you know, and, and I'll say in the three years I've been at St. Jude's Parish, uh, confessions have gone from like two or three a week to like 15 a week. Okay. Which is great. That That, that is great. Yeah. I think um, I always, in terms of choosing parishes to attend, uh, typically look at, you know, how frequently do they offer confession and how frequently do they offer, you know, the sacraments and things like adoration. Because that's a sign that they take sin seriously. Yeah. And that repentance is a, is a core message. Absolutely. You know, it's not you're okay, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, We need confession. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and, and that's the good news is that we have a, a remedy for that, and that is confession. But, you know, our Protestant brothers and sisters will tell us, well, I just confess right to God. So yep. w- what do we say to that? Because it's, you know, can be tempting to think that. Yeah, no, I, I think that, you know, one of the, the hopes— is that this episode will leave our listeners equipped with, uh, you know, uh, answers to, to some of these common objections that we hear because uh, it's very prev- prevalent in the workplace and, um, you know, even amongst fallen away Catholics of like, oh, I don't need, I don't have need for confession or penance or anything like that. I can just go up to my room and, you know, apologize to God and it's all good. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, I think just to start with, what do what do Protestants and Catholics agree on, right? So to, just to lay the ground level here is that we agree that only God forgives sins and that the Son of Man has the authority uh, to forgive sins. But where we differ is that we as Catholics also believe that by Christ's divine authority, he gives that power to men uh, to exercise in his name, specifically to priests. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, in preparing for this episode, I you know, used uh, or looked at a lot of content on Catholic Answers, which is a great website uh, for our viewers in case you have not, you know, um, explored that uh, in the past. And um, so typically what, uh, you know, a common a common objection that Protestants use is they uh, they use one John uh, chapter uh, chapter one verse nine as their biblical support and they say if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness um, and I think that that passage uh, based on sort of the uh, the apologists at Catholic Answers, they kind of, they say that, you know, it doesn't refute sacramental confession. It doesn't say we should only confess our sins in private prayer to God. Um, It discusses confessing our sins, but it doesn't say, like, to whom or how we should make that confession, right? So, um, and they also explain that that passage uses the Greek word homologio, which is translated as confess, and that um, that word was actually used throughout the Old Testament, or sorry, the New Testament, each time, like over 20 times, and each time it referred, except for one instance, um, someone publicly declaring something to another person. Right, so, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, right, from Romans ten nine. Yep, yep. You're confessing. Yep. Out loud. It's not just in my room. I believe Jesus is Lord. Like no, you. Yeah, and it was not. It was not to God. It was publicly confessing. So, at that time, it's very important to understand sort of the, the context of the time. Right? Is is that um, confession of sin was generally public? And there's a lot of the biblical support for this. So. And that's the crazy part, right? In the early church, mm-hmm. you confessed out loud. Yeah. Now, I don't think you went into the nitty gritty. I think it was kind of just the big ones, mm-hmm. because the, the public sins. You know, the adultery, the murder, the apostasy. Yep. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, uh, we just have some examples of in Acts chapter 19, verse 18, many of those who had become believers came forward and openly acknowledged their former practices. So you just see this throughout. I mean, it's in it's in Mark, it's in James, uh, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray uh, for one another that you may be healed. Yeah, I think that James quote from James 5 is so important because it shows that the early church was not only commanded to, but did practice the confession of sins to one another, you know, out loud. Yeah. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And um, the Didache, so that was written like late 90s or or earlier, and that said, confess your sins in church and do not go up to your prayer with an evil conscience, you know, it goes on. So, um, yeah, in summary, it's clear that like the Bible um, doesn't teach and tradition doesn't hold that the norm for seeking, you know, reconciliation, penance with God was that it was a private affair. It was clearly, you know, it was clearly referring to a public confessing of sins. Um, And... I think just in terms of the scriptural support for confession, I think, do you want to go into some of the New Testament passages? Um, well, I mean, I think we, you know, the church always recognized that it was John 20 that was the kind of the, the core, which was where, uh, you know, Jesus rose from the dead. And the very first thing he did was breathe on the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. uh, breathe the Holy Spirit upon the apostles, which mm-hmm. I'm not sure how his breath smelled after three days in a tomb. <laughs> but, but he gave them the power to forgive sins. Who sins you forgive are forgiven. 
Yep, absolutely. Yep, in Matthew um, 16, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Um, and I think also just in terms of tradition, right, the church fathers, uh, I think a lot of uh, conversions have occurred just by reading sort of some of their writings. Um, and John Chrysostom, I mean, he, he says, he talks about priests have received a power which God has given neither to angels nor to archangels. It was said to them, whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you shall loose shall be loosed. So clearly, you know, like reading the church fathers, it's evident that they understood that confession was happening, was meant to happen with the priests, you know. Um, right, and I think it's important that, you know, when Jesus says, whoever sins you forgive are forgiven, but whoever sins are retained, you retain, are retained. And that second piece is kind of interesting, right? Because how would you know which sins to forgive or to retain unless it was confessed out loud? You would have no idea what the penitent. Like, it's not just because yep. when when I was growing up, there was a, a custom, which was very much a, an abuse of general absolution, which have you ever heard of that? So yeah. it's allowed in cases of like, it, you know, a war is coming and like you have 10,000 soldiers you need to absolve all at once. Okay, mm-hmm. that's fine. But I remember one time we were all waiting the confession line and uh, mass was about to start. So the priest came out and he just came to all of us and said, all right, I absolve you all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we didn't confess. And I was like, sweet, great. I didn't even need to do that again. <laughs> and now as a, as a priest, I'm like, whoa, that was a big abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not what that general con- general absolution is meant to be for because that, that confessing of sins is important because there's been about three or four times in my priesthood that I have uh, not given someone absolution. Oh, okay. Because if, if it's very clear that they're not sorry for their sins, mm-hmm. then that's, you know, you have to be honest with that. And, and you know, people... F- saying, especially, you know, especially it's with, with relationships, you know, if they're, um, you know, living in with divorced and remarried and have no desire to stop having a sexual and sexually intimate relationship or, you know, somebody who's in a homosexual uh, relationship and doesn't see anything wrong with that, that would be an appropriate time to say, you know, we need to do a little more soul searching before we, um, give absolution here. Yeah, you have to have true repentance and a desire to, or, you know, a commitment to, to change sort of what, what you've been doing. Um, and you can't presume God's mercy either. So, um, exactly. yeah, and I, I think your other point too about just uh, not being a, a mind reader, like obviously, you know, most most people, we, we don't understand or we can't know what's going through someone's head. So it's sort of implied that that confession needs to be to another person. Right, although it boggles my mind to have these saints like St. Saint Padre Pio or St. John Vianney who had the gift of reading souls. Yeah. That is a gift that would freak me out. I would never want to go to a priest. There's apparently a priest in Scranton, Pennsylvania, um, who I think is still alive, Monsignor John Essef, who apparently has that gift. Wow. And uh, and people go there all the time and come back being like, whoa, he read my soul. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to go. <laughs> I think that'd be <laughs> kind of cool, right? No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we got to root out the vices in order to, to, to know what, you know, how to form virtue. Yeah, we do. We do. That's true. And <laughs> And there are definitely questions in my soul that I would love to have answered because I, I feel like there's some questions I haven't been able to articulate well enough. Yeah, you know? and he might be able to. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I need to make a pilgrimage. <laughs> That's great. Um, well, one other thing, too, is uh, like why why should we not object to man's mediation of God's grace in the sacrament? Because I think that that's another thing amongst sort of Protestants and just people in general who don't uh, understand sort of the, um, the beauty of confession is that, you know— um, I mean, typically, like in baptism, right, most Protestants don't, uh, they, they 
deny the validity of self-baptism. Um, so yeah, I've never heard anyone <laughs> baptize themselves. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. So um, you know, it's uh, it's kind of the same thing. The sacrament of reconciliation is kind of a post-cleansing, right? Of mm-hmm. we, you know, if we sure, lose our baptismal sure. graces. Um, so if we don't have objection objections to man mediating God's grace to us in the sacrament of baptism, why should we object to man mediating God's grace to us in you know, the sacrament of penance. That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, another, another interesting point I think is that a lot of people say, well, I don't need to go to confession or tell, you know, tell a priest my sins because it just concerns me. Um, so have you heard that father Joseph, like of just, Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and, uh, it's funny because just yesterday in my confirmation class, I was teaching and we were, we were going through, um, the, the sermon on the Mount mm-hmm. where Jesus says, you know, if, as, even if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery with her in heart. And there was this, this one eighth grade boy who just took such offense at that and said, well, it's not the same. It's not the same. I haven't done anything with her. And I'm like, but, but it is, it, it is because, uh, you know, and first of all, you've, you've treated her I've, in your own mind, poorly, right? right. But also you've brought down the whole holiness of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's an important piece is that we have a duty to bring up the holiness of the body of Christ. And when we fail in that duty and we don't live out you know, our, our vocation most fully, mm-hmm. then everyone suffers. Right. Even if it's only in our mind, because our, our mind is part of who we are mm-hmm. and it impacts our thoughts and words and deeds. Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that that's the primary reason why the Catholic Church has asked us to confess our sins is because it is not a private affair and it's yeah. a community affair. And when, to your point, when any member sins, it affects the entire body of Christ. Right. Um, I mean, and- just, just thinking of it from a physical standpoint, right? If you have a body and you cut off a finger, mm-hmm. you need to reattach the finger to the body. Yep. And so if you have been cut off by mortal sin from, from the body of Christ, you have to be reattached to the body. Yeah. Yeah, and I think another interesting um, point is that, like, in the confessional, the priest, right, represents the whole Christ, so the head as well as the members. Yeah. Um, so it's mm-hmm. kind of a reconciliation, not just with God, because we think about it often in terms of our reconciliation with God, but it's a reconciliation with the church, with the other members of the body of Christ. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So I think that's something that we should also keep in mind. Um, but Father Joseph, what would you say are, are some primary reasons of why go to confession? Outside of those, you know, sort of we laid the scriptural foundation and all that stuff. Um, what are sort of... There's so many practical benefits. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, we need to hear the words I absolve you because that puts a certain finality to the reality of our sin because, um, you know, I can go confess in my room, but I don't know if I've been forgiven. Right. You know, I may have that question. Well, God, did you, was that, was that enough? Did I do what I was supposed to do? But when you hear those words, I absolve you, just psychologically, there's a burden that's lifted. Mm-hmm. Um, also too, like, it's so easy to, to like rationalize away our sin, Right. We and it, it, this is this old joke that I used to tell with the, the priest when I was at a Spanish-speaking parish. That uh, anytime a Hispanic woman would go to confession, she would start the same way: "Oh padre, tengo problemas con mi esposo. <laughs> oh father, I have so many problems with my husband." And then she'd go on to tell all her husband's sins. And at some point, you have to interrupt her and say, "This is not his confession. This is yours, right?" Because we all right. we all tend to rationalize our sin. Yeah, I was mean to my husband because he was a jerk and did this and that. And no, no, no. And when you confess. 
you're taking ownership and you're saying, no, it wasn't their fault. It was mine. Yeah. I did it. It's definitely an act of humility. I think that's important virtue to grow in, you know, because we're all plagued by pride. Um, I know that my confessions, I'm trying to get more concise and just to the point and, you know, (laughs) the big sins, just lay them out, you know. Lay Um, them out. Yeah. I don't need details. Right. Exactly. And it's, it's, yeah, every time you make an excuse, it's, it's just that pride creeping in of, um, you know, trying to, trying to make it sound better or people hiding it in the middle, you know. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's the good question. Do you, do you confess the big ones up front, you know, get them out of the way or do Mm -hmm. you save them for for last? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Squeeze them in, mutter them under your breath. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's no right or wrong. (laughs) As long as you, you know, it's important. As long as you say it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because that's something too, I also learned, I think, through maybe Father Andy, I had never heard of it in my CCD classes growing up, is that, um, you know, in order to have a valid confession, you need to... um you need to truthfully state all of your sins and not withhold anything. You well, know, all of your mortal sins. Well, all of your mortal sins, yeah. correct? Yeah. Yeah. Not all your venial sins, because I mean, right. a lot of times. I mean, you don't even have to go to confession for venial sins. Right. Um, right. So yeah, but if you have a mortal sin, right? Like you just, I mean, priests. Yeah, there's nothing that you haven't heard, right? And there's no reason to be. I, every time I say that, I hear something new. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> I never thought about that as a sin. But but there's no reason for people to be afraid to confess anything, right? Not at all. I, I think no. that a lot of people withhold mortal sins because they're just so embarrassed and they think that they're the only person in the world that could have done That's this. the thing, and, right? I yeah. mean, yeah. I mean, trust me, most confessions are frankly boring. Mm-hmm. They're not like, oh, tell me more. It's more, <laughs> it's more like, okay, all right. You sinned. Big deal, right? Yeah. I mean, we're taking care of that. And I, I love what Father Mike Schmidt says about it. He says, confession is a place of victory. You know, it shouldn't be a place of shame. It's a place of victory, right? Christ's victory is now being one in your soul. Like, rejoice in that fact. And, right. And when I see somebody that that has confessed a really hard thing and I see them afterwards, my first thought is, man, that person has courage. I mean, that person is serious about holiness. Like, I don't think badly about them at all. It's actually just quite the opposite. Like, wow, like that person is kind of like my hero. Like, they, they, toughed it out and said the hard thing. That's beautiful. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I mean, especially when we're in a state of, you know, when, when we've committed mortal sin and we're not in a state of grace, I mean, uh, to have that assurance that we're reconciled, but also to have the sanctifying grace within us restored. Yeah. Um, have you, have you had the experience of walking out and just feeling really light? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why it's, it's part of what we were talking about at the beginning. Even, even when you're sinning venially, I just feel like the, you start to, um, you know, you feel, you feel the weight of your sins. Yeah. Accumulate. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I heard Father Ripperger, he was talking about confession and sort of the virtues and graces and all that stuff. And he said that, um, you know, when you're in a state of grace, that you can actually increase sanctifying grace by doing all of these things, sort of by going to confession, by doing acts, like good acts, but obviously, you know, there's the object, the intention, uh, and the circumstances of it, like truly being a good act, Mm -hmm. that you actually merit for yourself more sanctifying grace. Um, which is is a beautiful thing, right? Because there are the levels of heaven, and so we're not going for, like, ground zero here of just just making it in. Um, Right. But it also, like, just in, in terms of purification, right, of the, of receiving the, the sacramental graces, um, that are specific to the sacrament to help us to overcome, you know, that's why, I mean, I, 
I like to go for venial sins because I feel like it does give, or I know that it gives the grace, um, you know, a penitence and as well to overcome those specific things that we're confessing. It does. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, at the same time, you know, like virtue is always in the middle between two extremes. You yep. know? And there can be the extreme of someone confessing too much, mm-hmm. you know, too frequently. Um, you know, if you're going more than once a week, you probably don't need to, right. you know, or being too scrupulous about yes. about your sins. And that's that's an important one, too, not to, to do, you know, because, yeah. yes, we're all sinners, but but not everything is a sin. In particular, there's a difference between a sin and an imperfection. Right. You know, you, and imperfections, okay, you recognize them for what they are, but, you know, they're not horrible, right? Imperfections would be like you feel an inspiration to, to you know, make some small sacrifice, but you choose not to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you should. You should always choose the most perfect option, but it's not a sin if you have the ice cream when you could have fasted. Right. Yeah, no, and I think for scrupulous people being one of them, um, sometimes it's hard to distinguish. So, Going to confection, confession, um, yeah. You just said confection like seven times. Confection. I think, I think you want dessert. <laughs> confection or sugar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. But, you know, um, I think it can sometimes be a challenge for people who suffer from scrupulosity to, um, but but again, you know, it's kind of working on that virtue of prudence to to understand sort of the, the right way to act and... Um, yeah. In, in, in the circumstances. I think the best thing if you have scrupulosity is, is to find one priest who's going to be your confessor and stick with him and stick with whatever advice he gives you. Yeah. So, like, if he tells you, oh, don't come to confession for another three weeks, like, like stick with that advice. And Yeah, no, I've definitely had priests kind of help me to walk through of, like, well, why do you think that this is this type of sin? And to explain, you know, why it might not be. Um, yeah. And that's given me help in terms of, you know, going forward, kind of making the decisions. Because, yeah, I think the devil can try to keep you away from things like, you know, daily reception of the Eucharist, if you can receive it, and yeah. and stuff like that as well. Um, well, of course, the, I think the devil works differently on people that are are converted versus people that aren't. Yeah, you know, people that aren't are you know tempted by you know drugs and sex and drinking, right? But, yeah. But people that are converted, like God, you know, the devil knows you're not going to fall into those sins. Right. So the devil's instead going to try to take away your peace, take away your advancing in virtue by worrying too much about this small sin or this small thing. You know, when in reality you're actually very pleasing to God and. Yeah, and it, it just, yeah, he knows how to, for people who worry, you know, to to plague you with worry so as so that you forget, you know, sort of um, the, the focus on, on God. Mercy, yeah, and a yeah. mercy. Yeah. You know, his mercy is way greater than all of our sins mm-hmm. combined. I mean, that's, that's the good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think another, I guess another benefit of confession, especially for parents, um, and even if you're just single and have friends and stuff, is the example that you set for people, right? So, um, particularly for parents, because no one's perfect, and, you know, if you, if you do something, um, and you feel like you, you haven't done something correct with your kid, um, you know, you were, you were overly angry, or whatever the circumstance, um, to apologize to the, to your child is humbling, but to also show them the example of, you know, I, I apologize to you, but I'm actually going to go to confession, you know, to the extent of, um, just making it clear the importance of reconciling with the person, but then yeah. re- more mm-hmm. importantly, reconciling with God and the church. Definitely. That example piece is so, it is actually really important in confession. I, I got to tell you, tell you a really, really edifying story. Um, so, so two stories really. So at, at Cardinal Kung Academy, there's, there's this whole like, um, really awesome grace moving right now. And, and it's really blowing my mind. Like these two sophomore boys came to me a couple of weeks ago and they said, um, 
we'd like to form a confraternity. Can you look over our rules? And the rules were go to confession every week, go to communion every week, pray the rosary every day, you know, do different acts of charity, things like that. I'm like, wow, this is really awesome. Like, yeah, absolutely. I totally approve of this. And, and God willing, they're going to sign it on the altar tomorrow, uh, just as a way of like entering into this. But one of those kids who was a little bit of a nutcase a couple of years ago, you know, he was in seventh and eighth grade and he's totally like changed, done a 180 and just really pursued the Lord power, powerfully. Um, I was just talking with him in the sacristy after mass because he serves almost every mass and, and we're talking about confession and this other kid kind of wandered in and I said, hey, how long has it been since you went to confession? And this other kid's kind of like, oh, well, you know, it's been a while. And the other, and, and John Paul, this, you know, this, this really good kid now, he said, yeah, you should go to confession. It's really great. And he just kept being, ah, no, I don't want to. Do that. So he, the other kid left and I turned to John Paul and said, John Paul, this is your mission. Get him to go to confession. And he's like, I'm on it. So Fast forward to the end of the day, it's, you know, Friday afternoon and we have, we're going into our last period and John Paul calls me over and is like, all right, he's ready. Let's go. And so he brought me to this kid and the kid's like, all right, I'll, I'll go to confession. And so, you know, I went and sat with the kid for confession. I said, well, what did John Paul say to you? And he said, well, he actually just sat right down next to me in class and said, you need to go to confession. <laughs> and that was it. And that was enough to get this kid to come to confession. And I was like, so, so I was like, mm, John Paul's, John Paul's good. So I went to John Paul. I was like, all right, now you got to get this other kid to go to confession. And he did. And they gave him a third person. He got that person to go to confession. Now he's like, he is my confession, like monster. He's like getting everybody in the school to go to confession. So like the peer to peer influence can be so important, especially, you know, as young adults, yep. how powerful that is to, to see your peers standing in line yeah. for confession. I, absolutely. I mean, I had the same experience with my RCIA students. Um, you know, some of them hadn't been in a very long time. And I just kept reiterating, you know, there's there's really the, the priest is not going to look at you any different and really reassuring them just with that. You know, the experience that I've had of like I used to be so fearful of going to confession and it's taken time. But, you know, now it's uh, there's there's so much peace that comes from it. So, yeah, if you can be an inspiration to your friends, I mean, there's nothing there's nothing better than being reconciled to God, especially, you you know, when you're cut off from sanctifying grace, but yeah. Um, yeah. But, and the other thing too, I think for confession though, to like to make a good conf- confession is a uh, proper examination of conscience. That's what I was going to ask. What is, what's your technique? Do you have a go-to? Yeah. The 10 commandments. What do you do? Yeah. I, uh, I actually use a resource. I think it's father Mike Schmitz, uh, cause it's bulldog Catholic. I think that's the mascot for oh, the, really? the church. Yeah. Or the, <laughs> um, the college that he's the chaplain of. Um, but anyway, I found one online. It's, it's very detailed and it goes through, um, I mean the precepts of the church, but then the 10 commandments as well. And it's, got like, you know, 20 bullets for each, uh, for each commandment. So Cause that's the thing. A lot of people look, do not kill. Good. Yeah. I haven't killed anybody. Well, yeah. no, there's more to it than that. Right. Yeah. You yeah. Just harm as... your body. Did you harm someone's reputation or. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think like, just as an example for the first commandment, um, some of the bullets underneath that, um, are, you know, I despaired of my salvation, presumed God's mercy, love someone or something more than God engaged in superstitious acts like horoscopes have been involved in the occult. Um, you know, honest that's that's one commandment that is broken all the time and never ever confessed because i think people don't realize like if you don't pray a sufficient amount every day you're committing idolatry mm-hmm. you're, you're putting something up else above god right yep i mean pretty much everybody has something in their life money work career right you know whatever your girlfriend whatever that you've put above god so that that commandment should be confessed a lot more absolutely and you know at first a lot of people just reading the bible it's like oh well we don't worship the golden calf but to your point, I mean, there's all of these things, like how Lots of idols. there are so many ways during the day that we put other things, people ahead of God, whether that's our career, 
pleasures, um, you know, just people, all of those things are good in themselves, but when we hold them to a higher degree of good than God, um, you know, and I, I think your point about prayer too is, I mean, we owe him injustice, a certain amount of prayer each day. Um, and, and we need it. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's our lifeline. So if we're not praying, then we're not going to develop our relationship with God. Yeah. We're not going to root out vice. We're not even going to know what vice is. You right. know, I think that's right. another benefit of confession. It's kind of um, an awakening uh, to like a self awareness, essentially. Yeah. And I think that that is where the examination examination of conscience. Um, you know, in the context of confession, preparing for confession is important. You know, don't do it. Don't put your list together right before as you're standing in the line. Um, I think I'm guilty. <laughs> guilty as charged. <laughs> I think you really got to prepare, you know, and yeah. go through. That's why I use that online examination just with all the bullets, because you really like to think through each one in terms of the different ways that I've sinned against God. Um uh, it's just, it's very important to, to prepare. Um, it, it is. Cause my, one of my pet peeves in hearing confessions is people who say, Oh, you know, it's been a year since my last confession and I did told one lie. And I'm like, you did not prepare. Yeah. Really? Cause I mean, if you, if you tell me how you're so holy, because I am not that holy, right? Mm-hmm. It says in the Bible that the just man sins seven times a day. Mm-hmm. That's the just man, the virtuous man. Right. So that means that most, most of us schmucks sin more than seven times. And sometimes the sins are omission, Rather than commission, right? You know, mm-hmm. things we didn't do. We didn't say that kind word. We didn't, um, you know, let the guy go in front of us in traffic, whatever it is. So, yeah, a thorough examination of conscience, you know, without being scrupulous, but something that, that really dives deep into it. Because a lot of times we we do justify ourselves, well, I'm a good person. Because you haven't murdered anybody, you're a good person? Is that, is that, is that your standard? Like, yeah. you're not yeah, Hitler? What's the qualification Great. There? I mean, congratulations. It's not hard to not be Hitler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, if we, if the goal of our life is um, union with Christ, right, and conformity to him and to his will, we need to, we need to know ourselves um, so that we can, you know, root out those things that are not of him and be conformed because we can't, like, if we want to be filled with Christ, we have to be emptied of ourselves. but we also have to know how to do that. Yeah. And that's really comes through an examination of, of your conscience and the ways that we failed, not to beat up on ourselves, but to ask God for his grace to help right. us to root those things out and to form the contrary virtues. Which we should be examining our conscience every day too, yep. before we go to bed and see, you know, where have I fallen short and mm-hmm. ask the Lord for mercy for that. And, and that's where confessing in your room is a good thing, right? Every day. Right. Right. We should, we should be doing that every day, along with sacramental confession. Yeah. And I'm sure there's, I think there's lots of different examines that you can use. You know, the Ignatian one um, talks about, I think there's four steps, you know, like you basically at the end of the day, place yourself in the presence of God. Um, you pray for the grace to understand how God's acting in your life review your day, specific moments and stuff. And then I think you kind of like reflect on what you said and did and how you're drawing further away or closer to and sort of the plan for tomorrow of how you're going to maybe do things differently. Yep. Yep. A good, a good spiritual practice that everyone should practice. Mm -hmm. So thank you for this awesome discussion, Diane, for uh, diving into the sacrament of confession. So my challenge for all of us is to make sure we get to confession at least once a month. That's a good spiritual practice for good spiritual health. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the good news is that we have victory in the cross of Jesus Christ. But the cross is applied to us when we humble ourselves in the sacrament and ask God for mercy through his instruments, the priests. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Restless. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM, and wherever you get your podcasts. So tune in next time. God bless.